I know I've been waiting for it. It's draft week, people. 49er fans all over the globe can finally stop reading the mock drafts. They can stop scrolling on Twitter and reading all the rumors. They can stop all the madness that's going on with draft season because here we are. The NFL draft is just a couple days away. And here on the Forever Faithful podcast, myself, 49er Tone, and JP are here to break everything down, give you guys our insight into what the Niners are going to do this year in the NFL draft with that ninth overall pick and all the other draft picks that we have. And we also have a few other topics we want to get into with you guys tonight, including the, the 49ers 2018 schedule, the latest in the Reuben Foster saga. We want to give you guys the, the, the rundown on all of our new social media platforms and the ways you can interact with the Forever Faithful podcast and anything else that we want to get into tonight here on the Forever Faithful Podcast. Because, again, this is a podcast for the faithful, by the faithful. I'm JD. I am hyped to be here with you guys tonight. JP, Tone, how are you guys feeling, man? It's draft week, baby. Oh, yeah. I'm excited, baby. Let's roll. Oh, yeah. You know me, man. I'm all ready, y'all. Let's go. All right, guys. Well. I guess here with first down, we're going to get into the 49ers 2018 schedule. We're going to break it on down in only the way that we can and give you guys our thoughts on the way the schedule shapes up, all the different little intricacies, excuse me, the intricacies that go into this schedule. And, uh, you know, me personally, I really like the way this schedule plays out for the Niners. Overall, with the opponents and, and, and all that, that's tough. But the way that it's laid out, I don't think you could have asked for anything more if you're a San Francisco 49er fan, 49er player, coach, member of the team, etc. I really love the way this schedule plays out. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a couple of my little my little notes that I, that I pulled from the schedule. And then uh, JP and Tone, I want to hear your guys' thoughts as well. Uh, you know, first things first, week one. We open up the season at Minnesota. That's a hell of a way to start the season off, you guys. It's Jimmy Garoppolo against Kirk Cousins. It's the 49ers against the team that was in the NFC Championship game last year. It's Kyle Shanahan going up against the quarterback that everybody knows he wanted in Kirk Cousins. And it's Jarek McKinnon making his return home to Minnesota in his first game 
in the red and gold. That's a game that really stuck out to me right away on the schedule. It's going to be a huge litmus test for this team going up, going up against a team of that caliber, guys. So that game, right off the bat, week one, the NFL didn't do us any favors. But you know what? I'm not complaining because if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And right now, the Minnesota Vikings are one of the best teams in the league. So starting off the season in Minnesota like that is a hell of a challenge for this team. And it's going to have us, you know, be able to see where this team is at right away. And I have no problems with it. I think it's a really, really good matchup for this team to open up the season. Uh, a couple other things that, that stood out to me on this schedule. The first three out of five games are on the road, you guys. That is is something that really stood out to me because the Niners definitely have their work cut out for them there with three of the first five on the road. Uh, of course, week two, we host the, the Detroit Lions in our home opener, and you know that's going to be a solid game. The Lions are definitely no pushover. Matt Stafford and all his guys, I mean, that's, that's not going to be a, a cakewalk game for the Niners in their home opener. Then we have two back-to-back -back road games at Kansas City and at the Los Angeles Chargers. I almost said San Diego, but it's at the Los Angeles Chargers. And then we also host uh, the Arizona Cardinals after that in week five. So three of the first five on the road is a hell of a way to start the season. And uh, that really stood out to me you know, for this schedule this year. Uh, Tone, man, you, you got to let me know. What are your thoughts? What stood out to you? On the schedule this year, you know, I, I mentioned here the first three out of five on the road. Well, what are some things that, that caught your eye with the schedule? Well, uh, to piggyback off that, uh, J.D.'s, uh, you know, in the first eight, five of those road games are going to be, you know, in the beginning of the season, the first eight games of the year, right? So, I mean, with the pros and cons to that, that means in December we're going to be having, I believe, what three straight road games? I mean, three straight home games before we go back on the road to face the Rams in the finale. Um, I really like the schedule for the simple fact that we get most of the road games early in the year, get them out of the way. Even uh, some of the cold weather teams, um, like we get Green Bay, we get them in October. Um, you know, and it sets us up for the home stretch. I believe uh, after week twelve. You know, from the late uh, from November all the way to December, we don't even leave California. Maybe I think we do go to Seattle. But besides that, we, we don't leave the West Coast at all. Um, I'm very happy with the schedule. Uh, one thing I am excited for is the Green Bay matchup on Monday Night Football, the Lambeau Field, you know, the frozen tundra, you know, the 49ers and Packer rivalry. And then you're going to have it on Monday night, Jimmy G versus Aaron Rodgers. I mean, does it really get more prime time than that? Um, then, of course, you know, the Battle of the Bay. It is on a Thursday. But one thing I do like about uh, the way this is set up is it is on a Thursday. It's four days. I mean, not big fan of Thursday night football. But the cool thing about it is 11 days later, after that Niner Raider game, we get a Monday night at home against the Giants. That's 11 straight days of rest. And then after that, we get a bye week. So we're looking at a lot of time for the players to make that playoff push going towards uh, the end of the year. Um, and also one last thing about the schedule, um, the, the opening day against the Vikings. I love the matchup like you do. Uh, I, I think it's great. I just wish it wasn't a 10 o'clock game uh, Pacific time. I, I think this type of matchup should have been on, you know, the Fox game of the week, the 125. 
schedule, especially with the Raiders being in the local market. They're they're, they're playing on Monday night, so there shouldn't have been no conflict on Sunday. But other than that, I mean, it's that's just a personal gripe that I have. I absolutely love it. Um, I'm already looking at games to attend this year. Um, but, yeah, it, I think it really sets up for us to make that push if we're going to try to uh, become uh, an elite team. You know, so what you think, JP? No, yeah, I totally agree with both of you guys. I think uh, I think our schedule sets out good. Um, the beginning, like 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 JD was saying, you know, uh, three of the f- our first four games are on the road, which is which is kind of tough. And I know last year, um, I think this was I read an article that they were uh, the Niners brought this up in in uh, the meetings in the owner meetings that uh, we want basically less ten o'clock games. Last year we had five uh, morning games uh, on the East Coast. Um, and two or uh, four of those were back to back. So, um, I thought that was something and, 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 you know, this year now we only have three. Um, and, and I think, you know, we have two in the first three games, uh, at the, at the Vikings and then, uh, at the chiefs, uh, a morning game. And then we don't have one until after our bye in week 12, where we go at, um, Tampa Bay. So, um, I think that's a little bit beneficial to us. We don't have to have it like last year. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think those those primetime games are going to be big. One game that I think is going to be huge is that uh, I believe it's a Sunday night game versus uh, at the Seahawks. You know, Richard Sherman's going to be hyped. You know, you know his game is all about talk, and you know he's he's already getting ready with his trash talk with with everything else. So hopefully he can uh, hopefully be healthy by then, uh, and he'll be he'll be on the field. But that that's a game that I'm I'm really eyeing on this Niner schedule. Um, so, and it's not going to be, it's not going to be easy. I mean, we're, yes, we're coming off a bye two weeks before that. We have to go to Tampa Bay. And then right after that, we're going to the Northwest to play the Seahawks. So, um, that should be interesting, but, but to, to, you know, to, to talk about that more uh, after the Seahawks tone was saying, you know, um, we we don't leave the state of California. We have three straight home games, um, first the Broncos, the Seahawks again, and then the bears, and then we finish up the game uh, in Los Angeles versus the Rams, so um, which which won't be easy. Uh, but I think I think those last uh, you know four games outside of the Rams is 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 winnable. Um, definitely the Broncos at home. Um, who knows what the Seahawks are going to be now that you know half their defense, the Legion of the Legion of Who, really uh, is no longer there. And then you know the Bears um, a day before Christmas Eve. So I'm liking the schedule. I agree with JD. I think it's spread out perfectly. You know five times. To- five primetime games, which um, ties for the most in the NFL. So it's excited. Everyone wants to see Jimmy G and uh, see how he performs. So I'm, I'm pumped. Um, JD, what do you think? Uh, what do you think about this? Uh, what's, what's one game you think you're going to go to this year? It's, it's the one game that everybody's going to go to. I mean, there's only 70,000 seats in Levi stadium, but I think they're going to need about 70 million for the amount of Niner fans that want to go to that game, the Battle of the Bay, Niners and Raiders, Week 9, Thursday Night Football on Thursday, November 1st. That's the game that is circled on my calendar, and I know every other 49er fan's calendar. It's the final Battle of the Bay before the Raiders eventually move to Vegas. That game is going to be absolutely insane. Um, You know, I saw this crazy, crazy uh, betting line online i don't know if it was the real deal or not 
but the over-under on stabbings at that game was set at three. So, you know, we know the history between the Niners and the Raiders. That game, that atmosphere is going to be absolutely insane, you guys. Uh, it's going to be a playoff atmosphere between two rival fan bases, two local teams. You know, it, it's going to be crazy, and I don't care how much the ticket costs me. I'm going to be in the building for that, and uh, there's no way I'm going to miss that game. Um, you know, there's there's a couple other things that stood out to me on this schedule, and one of them is our Week 11 bye. That is absolutely the ideal bye week, you guys. I mean, that is late in the year. That's after uh, 10, 10 of our games, you guys. We play 10 games before we get a bye. That is amazing for this team. They're going to be able to rest up after having a 10-day layoff between their previous two games. They're going to have so much time off. This team is going to be rested and ready to go for that stretch run down, you know, down the, the stretch of the season. We have one game in November after that bye week, and then we're into December, guys. This bye week is set up perfectly for this team to be ready to go for the stretch run. And, you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the NFL expecting big things out of this team. I feel like the NFL took into account that they really expect this team to make a big jump this year. And that bye week being late in the year like that, being perfectly set up for this team to be ready to go during that stretch run is a big example of that. Uh, also, as far as the NFL goes, they gave the Niners five primetime games. We were 6-10 and 10 last year. We started 0-9. I mean, who in their right mind would have guessed that the Niners would have had five primetime games this year? I mean, I was absolutely floored and ecstatic when I saw that. I mean, obviously, it's the Jimmy G effect. Uh, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo is the reason we have five primetime games. And I'm not complaining, but uh, that's, that's uh, you know, some big expectations being put on this team. The, the NFL and, and, you know, everybody around the league is expecting this team to make that big jump and, and have that improved play with Jimmy Garoppolo. And, uh, you know, I, I'm wondering if the team's going to feel that pressure. You know, all of a sudden you go from being a 6-10 and 10 team, you know, that nobody was really paying attention to when you were 0-9 to now all of a sudden, you're one of the media darlings. You have five primetime games. People are picking you to win the Super Bowl for crying out loud. I mean, this schedule to me is the real deal. And I'm excited, you know, I am just totally excited. If you are not excited for this schedule, you need to check your pulse. Because if you're a Niner fan, I mean, this is gonna be shaping up to be one hell of a season. Uh, a couple other things that stood out to me on this schedule. Uh, is the, the Week 17 game against the, the Rams. I don't think anybody's really talking about how important that game could potentially be. That game could very well determine the NFC West, you guys. The last week of the season in L.A. against the Rams, the paper champions, the offseason champion, Los Angeles Rams, that game could be absolutely huge, you guys. Uh, do you guys have any other additional thoughts on, on the schedule before we move on? Yeah, I'll, I'll say with you make some great points, uh, JD. Also, I, I would say the the game I'm circling as well is uh, prime time against the Rams. You know, at Levi's earlier in the year because that could set the tone of, uh, for the rest of the season and send a statement not only to the NFC West but to the entire NFC. If we're ought to believe 
the 49ers are able to make that jump with Jimmy G and the pieces that we have added to this team. Um, I think that'll be, that's one of those games that, that sends that message to everybody like, Hey, we're here. We're for real. And it's in our home. And I, and I expect the fans to be loud and crazy for that game. Um, that's one game I'm definitely looking forward to. And of course, you know, the last game of the year against the Rams could set up for the division. Um, but look at the primetime games that we have, the NFL gave us, and you made a great point, but it's not only the primetime games they gave us, it's who we're playing as well. Look at the matchups. I mean, I mentioned the, the Packers earlier with Aaron Rodgers versus Jimmy G, the Niner Packer rivalry, Lambeau Field. I mean, it doesn't get more bigger than that. I mean, that's a, that's going to be a primetime bonanza right there, the ratings-wise and everything. And then, of course, the the Battle of the Bay. The, the Raiders had the down year. They're looking to come back with Gruden. The 49ers, Jimmy G, the last Battle of the Bay. Is it on Thursday night? Yeah, but I think the I think the NFL did that to help boost up the ratings for uh, Thursday night football. Plus, I believe it's on Fox this year as well. So, you know, just the 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 matchups that they gave us. You know, the Rams on prime time. Um, I just think the NFL looks at the 49ers, you know, as that team to take that next step. And and it, the, the truth is, and I, I don't care who, uh, what team you root for, everybody knows that the NFL is better when the San Francisco 49ers are a good team. And it's just it's just the truth. That's that's history has showed that. And, and it's, it's just absolutely the truth. So the 49ers. The, the NFL is looking at the 49ers to take that step, and if the 49ers can, they will be a primetime darling. The ratings will be up, and, I mean, absolutely, the I mean, it's just an exciting time. Just very excited for it. Yeah, I agree, Tone, man. Uh, you know, I, another thing I want to mention real quick is, you know, from week six to week ten, uh, we have four primetime games on there. Um, you know, two Monday nights, a Sunday night, and a Thursday night. And 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 a game that I wanted to point out, and you you took the words right out of my my mouth. Uh, of course, the Rams. It's a divisional game. It's a Sunday night game, and and you know, uh, the hype that was around the Rams last year um, for us to 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 have a primetime game versus the, versus the Rams. I think that will be huge. Um, and and you know, last time I believe last time we last last year we played them on a Thursday night, and that game was crazy. Um, you know, everyone thought you know two teams. You know, with with young quarterbacks or, or you know not too good quarterbacks. I know we had I think Coyer was starting um, last Thursday night, but it was it was a hell of a game. Um, so you know maybe people you know come back and see that. But I think I think the Packers um, that that's going to be another huge huge game. Um, and you know the Niners' record on Monday night has always been really really good as of as of uh, as of late or even even way back when. You know I think we have a really really good record on Monday night. So. So us to play the Packers. I mean, there's no better, you know, there's a little bit of a rivalry there as well. So I'm I'm just excited. I just I can't wait until September 9th. I just want to uh, I just want to see some Fort Niners football. All right, JD, what you think? Man, uh, you know, just a few keynotes on the schedule again. Three of the first five on the road, three of the last four at home. We have 10 games in the state of California altogether with the eight home games. And the two games down in L.A. against the Rams and the Chargers. So the Niners' schedule is actually really favorable this year. 
We only have three 10 a.m. games overall. Like I said, 10 of the games are in the state of California. I mean, it, 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 you can't be any more favorable to the 49ers you know, than the NFL was this year with the schedule. So anybody that's complaining about the way the Niners schedule played out, uh, you need to shove it because this Niners schedule, yeah, on you know the opponents are tough, but the way it's laid out is really beneficial to this Niners team this year. And I'm really excited. So let me just uh, give you guys a quick rundown of the schedule again. You know, weeks one through 17, real quick. Week one, we are at the Minnesota Vikings. Week two, in the home opener, we host the Detroit Lions. Week three, we are at the Kansas City Chiefs. Week four, we are at the Los Angeles Chargers. Week five, we host the Arizona Cardinals. Week six, Monday Night Football at the Green Bay Packers. Week seven, we host the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday Night Football. Week eight, we are at the Arizona Cardinals. Week nine, Thursday Night Football, we host the Oakland Raiders. Week 10, we host the New York Giants on Monday Night Football. Follow that up with our Week 11 bye, and then we get into the stretch one of the season at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Week 12. We are at the Seattle Seahawks Week 13 on Sunday Night Football and Richard Sherman's return to Seattle. Week 14, we host the Denver Broncos. Week 15, we host the Seattle Seahawks. Week 16, we host the Chicago Bears. And we wrap up the regular season in week 17 at the Los Angeles Rams in the game that could very well determine the NFC West crown. So there you have it, Niner fans. There's your 2018 schedule. There's what we think about it. Let us know what you think about it. Interact with us. At the end of the show here on 4th Down, we're going to give you guys all of our social media information. You can interact with us on Facebook, Twitter, everywhere. We'll give you guys all that information. Please tune in to the end of the episode, and you'll get all that info for you guys. So with that, we're going to move on to 2nd Down and talk about the upcoming NFL Draft. All right, guys. As we're talking right now, it is Monday night, April 23rd, three days away from the first round of the NFL draft. You guys know me. I'm like a kid on Christmas with draft day. I mean, the draft is my absolute favorite time of the year. Not going to lie to you. I love the draft more than I love the games. I'm a, I'm a draft nerd, and it's, it's pretty sad. I watch every single second, every single pick. And uh, it's just it's it's drama at its finest. I mean, you know, what other day of the year does your team get that many new players? You know, it's it's, it's exciting if you're into that kind of thing. And I cannot wait for the draft. You know, there's been so much speculation about what the Niners are going to do with their first round pick number nine overall. Uh, you know, they could draft a number of different players. They could trade back. They could trade up. I mean, there's so much the Niners can do with that number nine pick. They can go best available. They can fill a need, whatever. But there's some news today that came across the wire just a short time ago that has Niner fans kind of going a little crazy, and I wanted to get into that here tonight. It looks like Julio Jones of the Atlanta Falcons, yes, the Julio Jones, one of the top wide receivers in the game, he privated his Twitter account. And he deleted everything Falcons-related off of his profile. Of course, that could mean absolutely nothing. Or it could mean a lot more than we think. 
Niner fans are already going crazy on Twitter and, and message boards and everywhere saying, you know what, the Niners should give up their number nine pick and this pick and that pick and this player and that player. You know, we should go make a trade for Julio Jones. Of course, we all know about the Kyle Shanahan connection with, you know, due to his time as offensive coordinator over there in Atlanta. Uh, you know, we've been looking for a bigger receiver as it is. And Julio Jones checks so many boxes for what this team could be looking for. So with that, I'm going to ask you guys, Tone and JP, would you do the deal for Julio Jones? And if so, what would you give up? Uh, Tone, how about you go first, man? Yeah, I, I, I definitely would um, for a talent like that, especially with his chemistry with Kyle Shanahan, knowing the offense like the back of his hand, actually having his most successful years um, in his career with Kyle Shanahan. So I, I definitely would. Um, if the 49ers – uh, choose to go that route, then maybe, just maybe, and I know we'll get into Ruben Foster in a little bit, but just maybe the 49ers know a little bit more than what the public knows about the Ruben Foster saga. So if you're able to get rid of that pick and get bring in a talent like Jones, you have to do it. Why not? You have to. I mean, it's a perfect fit. Um, I, I totally would be happy, but it also, to me, in the back of my mind, maybe the 49ers know a little bit more about Foster and not maybe looking at some of these linebackers in the draft. But I think uh, I, I absolutely would. I mean, I think it's a perfect fit. You know, what do you think, JP? No, yeah, I totally agree. I mean, there's <laughs> when you have a talent like Julio Jones, who's arguably one of the best wide receivers in the game, and he definitely has the numbers to back it up. Um, you know, I, I think there's no question on, on that you have to, I mean, if it's, if the offer's on the table, uh, and the Falcons are asking for a first round pick, I mean, it's, it's, it's almost a no brainer. Um, and, and J and, uh, and Tom, maybe you are right. Maybe they, maybe they do know more about this Ruben Foster situation that, that gives them a little ease of mind to, to trade, um, away this pick, um, but but uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But man, that would be a hell of a pickup, like you said. You know, Shanahan and 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 Julio they've they've been on the same page. I mean, they made it to the Super Bowl. They've been there a while, so he he knows he knows pretty much uh, Shanahan's playbook and, and everything. So uh, <laughs> it's it's kind of surreal to to, to think of a of a superstar like that. I mean, you know, it's it's going around this whole offseason too. You know, they have the OBJ trade rumors and and all this, and it's. It's kind of crazy to see these big stars, big um, top wide receivers. I mean, you can t argue argue that those are the two top wide receivers, and they're, you know, rumored to be on the trading uh, mill. So who who knows? Who knows? Um, but if if the offer presents itself, uh, it will be a no brainer to uh, to trade that pick, that number nine pick away to the Falcons to get Julio Jones. JD, what about the rest of the draft? What you thinking? Well. Uh, you know, the whole Julio Jones thing at this juncture is strictly hypothetical. Let me preface it by saying that, that there are no rumors. There's no substance to it. But Niner fans are just freaking out like they always do because they saw Julio and his Twitter and the whole deal. So Niner fans are talking about it. So we wanted to talk about it. And, uh, you know, but being more practical, looking ahead to Thursday's NFL draft and, and the first round and, and onward, you know, 
let's let's pretend that the Julio thing doesn't exist because at this point it doesn't. You know, you got to you got to deal in the now. And right now, the Niners have the ninth pick in the first round and all their other picks. That's where you have to you know, that's what you have to deal with right now. So, if I'm the San Francisco 49ers, and we talked about this on the last episode. If I'm the San Francisco 49ers and I'm making that pick here in the first round on Thursday, I'm going with Roquan Smith. Uh, my stance has not changed, but I do have some a, a different opinion on, on some other guys. But I would go with Roquan Smith because, you know, not only do we not know about Ruben's future, but it's, it is looking good, and we're going to get into Ruben plenty. But you team Roquan with Ruben, and you have – Willis and Bowman 2.0 for the next 10 years. Keep in mind, Willis and Bowman only played together for four or five seasons, guys. Patrick Willis was in the league for four years before Navarro Bowman was in the picture. We're going to have two thoroughbred linebackers who can run all over the field and do everything you can ask them to do for the next 10 years if you get Roquan and pair him with Reuben Foster. So that's where I'm going to go on Thursday. I know, JP, I know you want to go Quentin Nelson. You know, honestly, who knows if he makes it tonight. If he does and the Niners take him there, I'll have no, no problem with it because I understand they're trying to protect their investment in Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, Tone, I know you were, you, were, uh, you know, more partial to trading back. That's fine, too. And, and this is where my opinion kind of changes a little bit because I've been doing a little bit of homework and – you know, I was kind of on just strictly Roquan, 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 laser eye focus. That's who I wanted. But other Niner fans have been been pounding the table for Harold Landry. And the more I look at Harold Landry, the more I like him. A lot of people are comparing him to Von Miller with the way that he's able to get around the edge and bend and get to the quarterback and just has that freakish athleticism. He's not quite as fast as Von Miller. Let's face it. Nobody is. But Harold Landry has that freakish athleticism, and he would bring a legit pass rush guy who, who could step in and be a double-digit sack guy from day one. And, you know, if the Niners were to take him at number nine, even though we've taken defensive linemen in the last three drafts in the first round, I wouldn't be mad at it. And I've been the one screaming, stop drafting D linemen in the first round. It's driving me absolutely nuts. But if we were to take Harold Landry, I don't think I would be I would be mad at it. Um, uh, JP, man, uh, you know, have you checked out Harold Landry? What do you think about him, or or you know, other guys? Have, you know, who are some other guys you've been looking at? No, yeah, most definitely. I, I've I've checked out uh, bits of of, uh, of Harold Landry, and, and he's he's a beast. Uh, you know, out of Boston College, he's he's a straight beast. But uh, like you said, I think there'll be a lot of pissed off 49er fans if we take another D end. I'm surprised, this, you know, he's not out of the Pac-12, but, um, but yeah, another D end. And, and, you know, I, I wouldn't be mad either. Uh, I've, I've seen him. He's, he's, he's definitely a beast. He knows how to get off the edge. Um, but I'm not sure if that's something that I would go towards. I, I, I mean, I wouldn't be mad. Um, but if, you know, if Roquan Smith is still on the board and we go Harold Landry, I'll, I would be a little upset. Um, but as you guys know, as JD's mentioned, I'm, I'm still on that at Quentin Nelson train. Um, and, and, uh, so 
uh, Lynch had a little uh, interview today with, with the media, uh, a little pre-draft uh, interview or, or whatnot, and he was saying he wasn't opposed to trading up uh, in the draft. He's not, he's not really afraid, and, and, and we saw that last year. I mean, he's not really afraid to do anything. He robbed the Bears of draft picks just to move down one spot to take the guy that we were originally going to take anyways. So um, we know he's, he's, he's not scared. Um, and, you know, if that's the case, if we do trade up, uh, I don't know. I, I I can't think of any other player uh, besides maybe you know Rolcon Smith if he if he will be going ahead um, of our pick to move up to get him. But if we do trade up, I'm crossing my fingers that it's for Quentin Nelson. Uh, just like you said, JD, you need you need some type of insurance on that type of investment that we have, um, and and that would be huge. But another thing that I've also been been hearing uh, to to side with Tone is is to trade down. Um, there's a lot of rumors out there, speculation that the Patriots are looking to trade up and to get to get a quarterback. Um, and number nine may be the right spot for whoever, whatever quarterback that may fall. Um, and you know, they do have two first round picks. So if we take those two first round picks for our number nine spot, I wouldn't be opposed to that either. You know, we can fall back in the draft. We can take, um, you know, a guard later in the draft, which, you know, I I've, I've come to the realization that. You know, Quentin Nelson may not be uh, there at nine or, or we may not trade up. So there's a couple other guys. I mean, Billy Price is another guy that I was looking at from Ohio State. He's definitely a big bodyguard. Um, I think this was mentioned last uh, last week's episode, but Shanahan likes, one, you know, our, our offensive lineman to to move, to be to be athletic, that, you know, a, a guard that can pull quickly. Um, that's just our type of that's that's just, that's the offense that he runs especially when you have a quick running back in uh, in McKinnon that's have to having to you know to run out and and whatnot so you, you need fast guards to be pulling and I think Billy Price is one of them um, you know uh, I think there's another the, the guy from Georgia Isaiah Wynn that's another guy who's who who can who's an also quick guard so uh, and, and I think Isaiah Wynn is also a hybrid too he can you can switch him over to tackle so he's a he's a versatile guard um, which or, or tackle. Uh, and another guy that I was I was pretty high on that we we could get towards the bottom if we do trade with the Patriots, uh, the cornerback. Um, uh, sorry, slipped my mind. Oh, Isaiah uh, Isaiah Oliver from Colorado. He's another big-bodied corner. That's exactly what we need. Six foot, two hundred pounds. That's that's ideal for us. Is you know his cover skills is great. So that's another option. Um, but we'll we'll just have to wait and see. I'm excited. Um, personally, as you guys know, Quentin Nelson all day, if not Roquan Smith. Uh, what about you, uh, Tone? Who are you looking at? Yeah, I would say my first choice and what would make me really happy would be Roquan Smith at nine. Um, I did come out last week on last week's episode talking about maybe the possibility of trading back. That's something I wouldn't be opposed to either grab more picks, go ahead. And if there's any players out there that maybe fall, because, you know, in every draft, there's always players you think that might be getting picked at a high number, but they tend to fall, you know. So I would definitely love Roquan Smith. Um, If we are to trade pack, uh, maybe uh, Marcus Davenport. I know it's another defensive end, um, but I, I started watching him a little bit on YouTube. Uh, checking them out. Uh, Tremaine Edmonds. I also want to get your 
guys' um, thoughts on Edmonds from Virginia Tech, and uh, how would he stack up with uh, Roquan Smith if both of those guys are available? Um, I definitely would love to hear your guys' opinions on him um, as well. But I, just the tape that I've seen from Roquan Smith is, is a guy that I would 100% choose anytime in the ninth spot. Um, also, Harold Landry, like you said earlier, that's another guy I like. Um, you know, he's a he's that pass rusher. He's a guy, you know, it, if the 49er fans are getting tired of defensive ends, then, you know, but if we do pick this guy, he's going to show – that with the type of talent he's going to show that pass rush, 49 fans will go ahead and forget about that. Um, but also, what do you guys think about maybe going with the uh, safety? Maybe, uh, what's his name, uh, James from Florida State? Um, if we are, I don't know if he's going to be there in the top 10, if he's going to fall down. But if we're looking maybe at the secondary, he's like that uh, Thomas-type build. Um, I kind of like him as well. Um, but, yeah, Roquan Smith's my number one. Uh, how JD? What do you think about Edmonds versus uh, Smith? What, what direction would you go with with that? All right, uh, I'm going to hit on your your Edmonds point, and I'm going to hit on your your safety point with Derwin James. I'm glad you brought that up because if, if nobody else did, I was going to get into the safety topic because that's something that Niner fans are really getting into. That's a scenario that's being played out in mock drafts. Um, but first, with with the whole Tremaine Edmonds versus Roquan Smith thing. Ah, oh, man. You, you really had to go and ask me this one. Tremaine Edmonds. I am not in the Tremaine Edmonds camp, and a lot of people are, and I, you know, I get it because he has the measurables. He's 6'5", he's 250, he can run, I mean, he, he can do everything. I mean, he's, he's huge, he's fast, he, he's instinctual. He, I mean, he's just, you look at him and you think, man, this guy could be the next, you know, Lawrence Taylor, like he's just absolutely a monster. He's huge. You can mold him, and, and he's only 19 years old. But that's where I have a problem with it. He's 19. He doesn't have a ton of experience. You know, he's a young guy. We don't know necessarily, you know, if he was kind of a one-hit wonder. We don't know. You know, we don't know. And with Roquan Smith, he's been there. He played in the national championship game. Roquan has had himself – Great games on the biggest of stages in college football. Whereas Tremaine Edmonds, he's 19 years old, and, and you know, yeah, he looks pretty, but is he, is he really going to be, you know, that, uh, that sustainable guy? You don't know. He, the boomer bust potential with Tremaine Edmonds is, is huge. And whereas Roquan Smith, I feel like you pick him, you have yourself a Pro Bowl linebacker for the next 10 years. Whereas Tremaine Edmonds, he could be – a Hall of Fame player, or he could be, you know, Manny Lawson. We don't know. You don't. You don't know what you're going to get with Tremaine Edmonds, and that's where I stand with him. Um, now, you know, they say you can you can play him on the outside. You can play him in the middle. You can you know rush him off off the off the edge. Okay, that's fine. You, you know, I like guys that that are, that are excel in one position, and you know what they're going to play. And Roquan Smith is a middle linebacker, and that's what he is, and he's going to eat when he's out there on the field. So that, that's where I stand with, with the whole Roquan and Tremaine Edmonds, you know, uh, battle, if you will. Uh, now, as far as the safety discussion goes, the safety scenario, drafting a guy like Derwin James or a guy like Minka Fitzpatrick, it, it sounds good. You know, we, we, we 
let Eric Reed go. They're still in talks with Eric Reed to potentially bring him back. And if they were to do that, there would obviously be no need to draft a safety. Uh, and even if we don't bring Eric Reed back, I don't think we need to draft a safety because you look at the guys that we have in Adrian Colbert and Jaquiski Tart, and those guys deserve to be on the field. They showed it last year. Those guys need to be on the field. We need to see what we have. Those guys are young. They're hungry. And, you know, you can't just bury, you know, one of those guys on the bench right now. They showed flashes. You got to let them play. And, I, you know, I, I get it with Derwin James. He's an alpha male. He, you know, you bring him in, he'll be that rah-rah guy. He'll be, you know, one of the top dogs, you know, if you will, whatever. He could be the next Landon Collins. You know what I mean? He, he has the look of that next premier safety in the, in the game. But I don't think taking a safety in the first round is is the best way to go in terms of value with with how this team is constructed. Uh, JP, what do you think about the whole safety scenario? I don't know, JD. I, I think I may have to disagree with you there. Yes, I, I I agree that we do have some some really good safeties, some young talent at safeties, especially Adrian Colbert. He's he's you know a surprise seventh round pick who's really emerging, who's played out of his mind towards the end of last year. But Derwin James from Florida State is is a beast. Six foot three, 215 pounds. He's just he's big, he's physical, he plays downhill, and and he's a playmaker. And like you said, he could be a next Landon Collins. You know what I mean? Uh you know he's he's that big uh linebacker type safety um but but can move. You know what I mean? He makes plays. I know, I know. Uh, Air Greed was that that linebacker type safety as well, but he 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 did he doesn't have the movement and 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 versatility that that Derwin James has, um, and I think he'll be a great pick. Um, you know, and, and yeah, maybe you know, maybe maybe it is a little bit of a reach um, or, or whatnot, but I, I think I think he'll be a hell of a player. He's like you said, he's he'll be a Pro Bowl safety. In my opinion, uh, if he if he goes to the right you know team uh, and is put in the right position, um, to get into your point, Tone, um, when you were talking about would you rather have uh, you know Roquan Smith or um, I, I know you brought up Davenport as well, which which Davenport I haven't seen too much on. He's from you know a small college, but um, he's 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 also pretty you know impressive. He had quite a few sacks last year. Um, so and and, and that, that's what I'm looking. If if we're gonna if we're gonna draft a, a defensive end again, or or some type of lineman again, I, I want I want a pass rusher. I, I want I want someone who's gonna who's gonna get to the you know especially if we're picking them in the top ten, he needs to get to the quarterback. Um, if, if we're picking that, and, and I'm not sure if you know Marcus Davenport and you know and um, uh, remind me of the other guy. I'm having brain farts today. Harold Landry, Harold Landry, yes, Harold Landry, yes. Like JD was saying, he does come off the edge real nice, um, but I, I'm not sure if he's gonna if he's gonna adapt straight. He's gonna come out straight and 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 get that pass rush that we we're really looking for. So I think that's why Roquan Smith it w- would be. I would pick them over Landry and and Davenport. Um, he's you know. Roquan Smith is going to, is going to get you sideline to sideline. He's going to make those tackles that, you know, that, uh, you know, Willis and Bowman made back in the day. You know what I mean? Um, they're going to stuff the run. They're not going to let running backs, you know, go up the middle or anything like that. I think, I think Smith would be 
the the right pick at the moment. Um, but hey, I'm not opposed to Derwin James as well. He's he's also a, a beast. So, um, well, I want to get your guys' thoughts real quick on on uh, Isaiah Oliver. I know he may be a little bit later on the draft. He's he's going up on a lot of people people's boards, draft boards. So, um, if we do trade back with the Patriots, I know I keep mentioning that he's he's definitely an option. But do do you guys? What do you guys think of that? I know there's some also some corners up uh, pretty high in the draft. You know, Denzel Ward, um, Josh Jackson is another big corner that that we like looking at. Uh, another guy who's 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 not really getting too much talk that I, I've been seeing over Twitter. Uh, the cornerback from Auburn, who's who's also a big corner, Carlton Davis. Uh, it's another guy who's who's who I've been eyeing. Um, JD Tone, what you guys think? JD, let me know what you think about about these corners. Do you think uh, any of these corners catch your eye? If we were to trade back with the Patriots or the Buffalo Bills, uh, you know, the, the corners definitely are a position that I would want to address if we had multiple first-round picks. Uh, I really like Josh Jackson. Early on in the whole draft process, Josh Jackson was being considered as a top-ten pick, and a lot of people had him being mocked to the 49ers, and I was in the Josh Jackson camp. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to, to drafting Josh Jackson if we were to trade back you know, into the top 15. Uh, he, you know, he's a big guy. He's a ball hawk. He's not necessarily fast, but in this scheme, you don't really necessarily have to be. You just have to play your assignment. I mean, look at Richard Sherman, the prototypical corner for this scheme that we run. And Richard Sherman's on this team. And, you know, he's been there. He's done that. He could take a guy like Josh Jackson under his wing and uh, and really help develop him. I would be all for Josh Jackson. Um, as far as Isaiah Oliver goes, He's been being projected as a second-round pick for the longest time. I'm going to tell you right now, I think Isaiah Oliver is going to be a, a first-round pick. I think when it's all said and done on Thursday, he's going to go somewhere in the mid to late 20s, and it's going to kind of shock some people, but it's not going to shock me. Some people consider Isaiah Oliver to be the best corner in this draft, and I could see Isaiah Oliver going you know, later in that first round, and if we were to trade back and he was available, I would most – definitely take a flyer on Isaiah Oliver. Um, and now if we were to trade back, you know, like I said, again, and we could grab that corner and, you know, we still would need to address that linebacker spot. We can go after a guy like Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. I know another Alabama linebacker. I mean, that's going to give Niner fans nightmares, but that would have yeah, you know, that would kill two birds with one stone. I mean, that would be an ideal dream scenario for this team if we were to trade back to fill both those positions with guys that are you know going to come in and potentially be starters right away. Um, Tone, what do you think about the corners in this draft and uh, any other thoughts here uh, as we wrap up the draft talk? Yeah, you actually took the words out of my mouth, JD. Uh, uh, if we traded back and we got a, a corner like uh, Oliver, I'll be I'll be ecstatic, especially. Not only do we get his talent in the first round, but we also would be able to get some picks out of it as well. I think that would be a tremendous win for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, yeah, you know, you brought up Denzel Ward as well. That's another guy I was uh, watching um, some tape on earlier this week. Um, he's very interesting, too. I, I like him. Um, one thing I will say, though, about the corner situation is, no matter what's in the first or second round or even the third round, at least in the first three rounds, the corner has to be addressed. Um, you know, I did bring up the safety aspect earlier. 
maybe going, you know, going after uh, uh, Derwin James from Florida State. But the reason why I maybe brought him up was because Tart has those injury, um, you know, pass. He's hurt. You know, Jimmy Ward gets hurt. And I know they're moving him. I believe they're moving him back to corner. Um, so some of these guys, you know, you need to beef up for that secondary because that we need that depth because of the injuries, the frequent injuries, uh, frequent injuries, excuse me. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I, I'm, I, I'll be totally ecstatic with Oliver. I think uh, either way we would need to address the cornerback situation. Uh, but I do got one question before we wrap up the draft. Um, since we all, since we were already talking about trading back, what about trading up? If the 49ers are supposed are, are, are thinking about trading up, what type of player would the 49ers be looking? Usually teams, when they trade up, they're looking for that quarterback. Well, we have our quarterback already. So once in a generation type of player, you already have the ninth pick, but you're looking to trade up. What do you guys think the 49ers and John Lynch is thinking? JD, what, what do you think, bro? Um, you know, trading up sounds good in theory. Getting one of those guys that, you know, one of the top guys in the draft, it sounds good. It looks good. It looks nice. But I'm going to put it to you like this. This team is not one player away. I think we can all agree on that, that this team is not one player away. So I wouldn't want to give up too much to move up and, and, and draft a guy. I would much rather want to stay put and, and take a guy where we're at so the value is right or trade back and, and, you know, get even more value that way. I don't think this team is in a position to trade up. I don't think it's the smart move. I don't think it's the prudent move. And if I'm John Lynch, I'm, I, I, you know, gun to my head, I don't think we're going to do that. JP, uh, I don't know what you think, but uh, I don't think trading up is the right idea. No, you know, it, it, it may not be, like you said, you know, the big name players, you know, you don't you never know if, if they're going to pan out or, or whatnot. And you, you take a big risk you're moving up as well. You're going to have to give away draft picks and whatnot. Um, and like I said, I, I think the only player that is worth trading up for is Quentin Nelson. Uh, as you guys know, I've been all over his, all over him. And, you know, I think he's, he's somebody that is the only player I think in this draft that is worth trading up for insurance policy, everything else. I think that he is the guy, um, to, to really to trade up for. I think, um, I think that's, I think that's, uh, uh, I think that's about it. So, uh, JD uh, Tone, uh, I want to. I want to. I got one question for you guys, and then maybe JD, we can wrap this up. What do you guys think? Uh, who's Who's your number one, or, or not even number one? Who, who's Who's a player in this draft that that is kind of a sleeper that you wouldn't mind seeing the Niners pick up, maybe in the later rounds, or maybe in the early rounds, or or, or whatnot? Give me one player that maybe we haven't mentioned that you guys think uh, is is someone that you guys want to uh, pick up JD, you go first. All right. I, you know, you guys know, I love the draft. It's kind of my, my obsession. So I'm going to give you guys a couple of names if you don't mind. Um, the first sleeper that I, you know, and I don't even know, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put it like this. I don't think the Niners would even maybe necessarily draft this guy because I feel like we, we already are kind of stacked at the position. But I feel like wide receiver Antonio Callaway out of Florida has the potential to be a, an absolute stud in the NFL. The dude has all the ability in the world. He just uh, has a lot of off-the-field issues, a lot of drama. And, uh, you know, he's got all the talent. He just can't get out of his own way. 
And, uh, you know, if you can keep him on the football field, you have a hell of a player. But much like Reuben Foster, when he's off the football field, that's what you got to worry about. Um, whether it's the Niners or any other team, though, that, that takes a flyer on Antonio Callaway, I think you have a hell of a player on your hands with Antonio Callaway. He's, a, he's an undersized guy. He'll probably be a slot receiver in the NFL, but he can really create separation and make plays. And he's a guy that's really stood out to me, and uh, I'm pulling for him. I, I want to see a success story with Antonio Callaway. And, uh, you know, even though we have Trent Taylor and some of the other receivers, if we wanted to take a flyer on him, I would be absolutely ecstatic. Um, another sleeper that I had, cornerback Quentin Meeks out of Stanford, local guy, bigger corner. You know, he, he, he wants to play with Sherman. He said it would be a dream come true to play with Stanford alum Richard Sherman. He's right in our backyard. Quentin Meeks, you know, and we know how John Lynch feels about his Stanford guys. So I think Quentin Meeks could be a guy we could get maybe in the fourth or fifth round that would fit in right away. Uh, you know, I, I, there's there's some sleepers in this draft that, that I think the Niners could very well, you know, pull out of their hats. Um, we'll have to wait and see kind of what happens. Auden Tate, he's not necessarily a sleeper, but he's like a mid-round huge receiver, 6'5". Uh, you know, there's guys in the later rounds that I think could end up being, you know, really solid pros. Tone, who are some sleepers that you have in mind? You uh, Once again, you took it right out of my mouth. My number one sleeper would have been Meeks from Stanford. I am a Stanford guy, love watching Stanford, um, and I really do love this guy. He he will fit the scheme perfectly. Um, you know, I, I love when he came over for the, uh, uh, you know, the pre-draft uh uh, you know, tryout thing at, at Levi's. Um, loved his interviews, just loved his demeanor. Um, I, 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 I really am high on this guy, and, and for him to hopefully get drafted by us and then work under Sherman, learn with Witherspoon, I mean, it, I think that would be a perfect fit. Um, absolutely. That, that was the one guy that I had that I, I'm very excited about. All right, guys. Well, I think we've covered the draft about as well as we can at this point. The draft is just a few days away. I mean, I've taken the draft off from work, even though, you know, I get off work in time that I wouldn't miss any of the draft. I took off Thursday and Friday just so I could be at home and just immerse myself in the draft. Can't wait, man. It's going to be absolutely just electric. I can't, I can't wait for the draft. Uh, I know you guys can't wait for it either. Uh, so with that, we're wrapping up second down, and we're moving on to third down. Okay, guys. Third down, and there's, a, there's some recent developments in the world of Reuben Foster that are worth talking about. I feel like every time, you know, every time we're going to come on here and record a podcast, I feel like there's going to be something related to Reuben Foster that we're going to talk about. I don't know if it's going to be good or if it's going to be bad, but it just seems like every time we hit record and, and tape one of these podcasts, I feel like Reuben Foster is going to be a topic of discussion. So we might as well just pencil that in every single week. Uh, Reuben Foster, the latest on him, his charges just keep getting reduced. And rumor is his girlfriend, the accuser, may not be cooperating with the police. And in doing that, the charges may be dropped altogether. So maybe the San Francisco 49ers knew a little bit more than we thought they did. 
maybe the Niners knew that the charges weren't going to be so severe or that they were going to be dropped altogether and that Reuben Foster was going to be available to play this year. Because let's face it, if he's convicted of domestic violence, he's gone. John Lynch said that today. He said if it comes out that Reuben put his hands on her, he's not going to be a part of this organization. But the Niners have kept him on, you know, on the squad right now while the legal proceedings play out and while due process is handled. And, you know, every day you're hearing more and more about this charge being reduced. His girlfriend may not be cooperating. It's sounding more and more like Reuben Foster might be getting off with all the charges, you guys. And, uh, you know, if it was true that he hit her, I feel bad for the victim and her family. But as a Niner fan, every day that we hear more positive news in the world of Reuben Foster, it makes me excited, you guys, because I want to see number 56 in the red and gold for a long time to come. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy <laughs> that these, these revelations are coming about. So, JP, man, uh, what are your thoughts on the recent developments with Reuben Foster? All right, so I think we can all cut the shit and, and realize what happened here. I mean, <laughs> it may or may not be, you know, this may or may not be true, but Reuben Foster paid her off. I mean, let's let's all be honest here. I mean, let's no hiding <laughs> behind the bush or anything. Reuben Foster most likely paid this chick off and told her, hey, stay quiet, stay out of here, and, and everything, you know, will 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 we'll flow over. So, hey, maybe that's the truth. Maybe it's not. Um, you know, if it is true. He's, he's, he's a dirtbag. You know what I mean? I mean, that, that's, that's a dirtbag thing to do, you know, beat up a woman, pay her off. I mean, that's unfortunately, you know, that uh, it's most likely has happened many of times before in the NFL and or in any other type of sport um, that has happened. So that could be it. Or maybe it's not true. Maybe maybe it's the other side of the coin. Maybe, you know, she he, he never hit her. And now that, you know, the investigation is finally going on. Um, and she doesn't want nothing to do with it because she knows that she can't provide any evidence. Uh, I, I saw when the, when this news first came out, I saw a lot of people on uh, on Twitter, a lot of Niner fans saying, hey, you know, you know, Ruben's going to be cool. Everything's going to be fine. And then I saw some Cowboy fans responding back to him, say, hey, we thought the same thing with with Ezekiel Elliott. But the thing that they don't understand that the woman that was involved in the whole Ezekiel Elliott situation cooperated with the NFL and gave information to the NFL. Now, Ruben Foster's girlfriend or, or the witness, uh, uh, she's not willing to cooperate with anybody, not, not the NFL, not the, you know, anybody. She's told her attorney that she doesn't want anything to do with it. And the attorney's going to handle everything. Well, if you go to court and testify, I mean, her attorney can't testify for her. She needs to be there. So that's the thing. Personally, me, you guys know my thoughts. I think uh, Ruben Foster may have dished out some money, a little bit of a dirtbag move, but hey, uh, it is what it is. And as far as, you know, to take all the, the moral thing out of it, to talk about the, our Niners situation, I think it's I think it's good. I mean, you know, if Ruben Foster will be there and hopefully everything will, will turn out good, but hey, well, uh, well, I guess, again, I mean, it's the same thing. Like JD says, every time we start recording, some some new revelation comes up, but I guess it's just a waiting game. We just have to wait and see until this whole thing pans out. So, uh, Tom, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, we definitely will have to have a segment for Ruben Foster. Maybe instead of like a second or third down, maybe we'll just have a 
a foster down or something. Um, but anyways, I'll say this. Um, you made a good point, JP, about, uh, you know, foster paying her off or, you know, that, that, that possibly could have happened. Um, also, what, what could have happened is that her story could have been um, maybe exaggerated than what really happened. Uh, regardless of what happened, um, this situation seems like it is going in a direction where Foster might still remain with the 49ers. I mean, she did hire a lawyer um, or got the attorney and uh, maybe the, it, it's she don't want to testify, don't want to give the NFL any information. Maybe maybe she's looking out for herself because she maybe falsely accused this guy. Um, you guys know where I stand. If he did do this, you know, I have no respect for this man if he did. Um, but you, you look at Foster and his issues before. Um, it's, it's, you know, of course he's going to get that reputation. He, people are already going to judge him before the due process is already, you know, taking place. So I am glad the San Francisco 49ers are playing the waiting game. Uh, we have the draft coming up. Uh, there's free agents still out there. Uh, Navarro Bowman, anyone? Um, but the 49ers are basically just playing the waiting game, letting the due process, letting this guy have his day in court, and, and letting, letting all the facts get out before they rush to a judgment and make a a decision that could potentially hurt this franchise. Um, you know, I, I think I think this information that Foster is good news for him. Um, and I also think as 49er fans, JD, I think you're gonna get your wish seat number 56 roam that roam on that side of the ball at Levi's for years and years to come. And I hope so too. I absolutely hope so. I really like Ruben Foster. I love his personality. He has a, he he commands everybody's attention in in the locker room in, in, in you know press conferences or what have you. I mean th this guy is everything you want a football player to be about. He is all football, but he needs to smarten up. He needs to know that even if he didn't do it, Ruben Foster needs to know that hey, the decisions that I make and the positions that I put myself in can cost my whole career and everything that I worked hard for. So whether he did or didn't do it, I'm not here to judge yet and until all everything comes out, but it's looking towards that maybe things were exaggerated or maybe he got, maybe he paid her off, but it is looking like it is going to be a favorable decision for Ruben Foster. And as a 49er fan, I am happy about that aspect now as far as the nfl goes who knows what they're gonna do especially if they're not gonna get any information from her you know what kind of suspension what kind of disciplinary action that 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 uh you know goodell would do i i he he is so sporadic and off the wall with his um decisions on suspensions and disciplinary actions but that's a whole nother story i don't know what he's gonna do but as far as the favorable, I'm, Ruben Foster is looking good for him and for the San Francisco 49ers defense, uh, you know, coming up this year. Well, you know, 
Ruben Fo- it's looking like Ruben Foster is going to remain with the San Francisco 49ers. Things are looking positive. Uh, of course, like we said, it's a waiting game. We'll wait and see. And John Lynch has said that as the team enters the draft, they are preparing as if they're not going to have Reuben Foster this year. So in, in tying this back into the draft, that's what makes me think Roquan Smith is going to be the pick at number nine because this team is preparing for life without Reuben Foster. Now, whether or not that actually happens, who knows? But a good franchise and a good front office is going to be prepared for all situations. So that's why I think Roquan Smith is going to be the pick ultimately on Thursday. Um, but uh, we will definitely have to wait and see what happens. So uh, with that, I think I think we're all good here on third down, and I, I think it's time to move on to fourth down. All right, guys, here on fourth down on the Forever Faithful podcast, this is something we want to do each and every week to involve the faithful. We have created all kinds of social media platforms. You can find our podcast on a variety of websites. But if you want to interact with the FFP, you can find us at facebook.com slash forever faithful podcast or on Twitter at www.twitter.com slash FF Podcast 49. Again, that's twitter.com slash FF Podcast 49. You'll have to be on the lookout there. We throw out we throw out all kinds of tweets to the followers and to the listeners. We want you guys to be interactive. Uh, just just tonight, before we started recording this podcast, we threw out a question on our Facebook page asking the faithful, what do you guys want to hear from us? What questions do you have for us? And, uh, you know, we actually got a couple of questions. So I'm going to go ahead and read those to you guys now. First, we have Jaime Cuevas asking, how soon do you think the 49ers will draft to replace Reuben Foster, and who will they draft? I think all three of us are in agreement here. I think that if we, you know, if we go with a linebacker at number nine, I feel like it's going to be uh, Roquan Smith. I feel like uh, that's where we're going to go at number nine. Uh, you know, unless maybe a guy like Quentin Nelson is available. But I feel like we're all in conjunction that at number nine, Roquan Smith is the guy. Am I right, JP? Am I right, Tone? Yeah, I totally agree. It's uh, I guess it's kind of like a Quentin Nelson thing, too. It's kind of like an insurance policy as well. Just in case, you know, this Ruben Foster thing goes south, we have ourselves a linebacker. And if it doesn't, I mean, we still have, a, you know, two great linebackers right there. So, um, yeah, definitely – to answer your question, Jaime, uh, definitely I think it's going to be um, Roquan Smith uh, there at number nine. Yeah, I'm going to agree. And, you know, all three of us agreed on that. Um, you know, Roquan Smith is that guy um, to pick at nine, especially if, I mean, if he falls to us. And regardless of Ruben Foster or not, this is a guy that you have to draft. Um, just just it, it's not only Ruben Foster's, uh, uh, you know, outside of football, the, the, the things he's going through right now. And it's not even his, it's just his football injuries. You know, can can he stay up all 16 games? It's just the, the, the talent level. When you have a guy like Reuben Foster and you have a guy like Smith paired up, I mean, it, I just it, think, think uh, you know, Bowman, Willis all over again. Maybe, potentially, maybe even better. But... You know, time will tell with that. But, uh, yeah, thanks for the question. 
All right. Second question we have coming from Joshua Johnson, and he asks, how do you feel about Eric Armstead moving to the big end position and Solomon Thomas moving to the Leo and also playing the big end position on passing downs? That's a hell of a question, Josh. Thank you for asking. Um, I'll go first here. You know, we need Eric Armstead to produce wherever he is on the field. This is a make or break a year for Eric Armstead. I don't care if they play him at Leo. I don't care if they play him at big end. I don't care if he's the punter. Eric Armstead needs to produce. And, you know, they're moving him around. He was the Leo last year. Now they're moving him to the big end spot. I don't know how I feel about that. I wonder if that's an indictment on Eric Armstead, if they don't think he's, you know, necessarily a fit. They're they're moving him around. I don't know how I feel about that. And uh, as far as Solomon Thomas playing the Leo and, and playing the big end position on passing downs, I personally feel like Solomon Thomas's best position is inside. He played better inside last year than out. Um, Solomon Thomas, to me, though, overall, if you just watch him on this team, I feel like he's kind of a, a square peg in a round hole. I, I don't see really where he fits on this team. He's he's a little undersized to play D-tackle. He's not quick and, and twitchy enough and, and you know to play that outside pass rusher. I don't see where Solomon Thomas fits, and I was scratching my head when we made that pick. So – uh, as far as those two guys go, you know, I think maybe maybe they're trying to move them around and, and see where they fit and see if we can get the most out of them. But, uh, you know, it's a big year for, for Eric Armstead for sure. JP, uh, do you have any thoughts on that recent uh, development there? No, I couldn't agree with you more. Um, as far as Solomon Thomas goes, I think uh, you're right. He, he had his most success last year. Um, up the middle and playing the DN or the D tackle spot. Um, so, and he needs, he, he I, I was reading that he was working on some, some pass rush moves uh, here in the off season. And, uh, and we'll see, we'll see how that turns out, but he, he definitely needs to step it, step it up. I feel, I, I, I agree with you a little bit. He did seem a little out of place last year. Uh, maybe, you know, that's just the rookie vibe and uh, you know, he wasn't playing uh, on a lot of downs. I know some games he, he I hardly saw him out there. Um, but you know, maybe it's just some type of transition, getting him into the, getting him into the the defense and see how he can, uh, transition into it, but we'll have to wait and see. And, and as far as Eric Armstead, I mean, this guy does a hundred percent needs to produce, um, you know, he's had injuries last year. He was out with an injury, but even before then he was, he, he just, he, he, there's no flash there. There wasn't anything to, to make you like, Oh, Hey, this is going to be, you know, definitely a starter on our D line for a while. You know, there wasn't anything there that really opens my eyes um so yeah he, he definitely needs to step it up this year um and, and just have to wait and see you know um and and i think you know i think the play of other people on our d line kind of like uh you know going back a little bit um when we had justin smith justin smith on the d line made everybody better he made the linebackers better better he made the rest of the d line better um you know he made the secondary better getting pressure on the quarterback and i think this is the year that DeForest Buckner will do that. Maybe he'll help. He'll help out the rest of the D line. He'll he'll help out the linebackers, hopefully with Rokon Smith, um, and and he'll just make everybody better. I think he has that potential to 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 make people better, like Justin Smith did. So we'll see. We'll see how 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 everything plans out. But uh, this is this is a make it or break it year for this D D line crew, uh, especially for that uh, for Eric Armstead and uh, and Solomon Thomas. So. Uh, Tone, what are your thoughts on this? 
Yeah, once again, I agree with you guys. Um, one thing about Eric Armstead, though, is uh, that, that that pick was all Balky and Tom Sula. Um, Tom Sula was the guy who was supposed to coach him up. Um, that was the thinking going into that pick. He was a guy, because Tom Sula, believe it or not, is a great defensive line coach. And when he was the head coach, when we got him, when we drafted uh, Eric Armstead, that, that that was the thinking with that. He just doesn't fit. Uh, I, I think he's a bust. Uh, this is his last, uh, basically last chance. Um, you know, he's on his contracts uh, up at the end of the year. Um, he's he's a guy who showed a little bit of flashes, but like you said, nothing that stands out flashes that, you know, a good defense alignment would make, you know, nothing that pans out like, oh, that, that guy is a beast on the field. Um, he, he's, he's, uh, you know, what he converted from basketball only played how many years in college, you know, in, in Oregon. I, I just, uh, I think that was the raw potential that Balky, um, really wanted to see, uh, you know, wanted to grab and have Tom Sula coach up. It's just, it, it just never panned out. So uh, I don't think it matters wherever Armstead's on the field. And it's unfortunately because I, I really do like this guy. I, I think he's, you know, I, I do like him. Um, but as far as football goes, no, I mean, he's a, I don't know what, I don't know what he can do to stand out on this defense. Um, so, but he's going to have to prove me wrong. Hopefully he does. And, you know, we, we have a, a good player on our hands. Um, as, as far as uh, Thomas, I totally understand why people feel that way about Thomas. Um, you know, he's not flashy. He's not, but he has a high motor. And that's one thing that I do like, did like about him in Stanford. And I did like, uh, he showed flashes last year in the NFL, um, the, the high motor, um, you know, is Will he fit, you know, him switching positions, you know, that we're just going to have to wait and see. Uh, but I really do think Salah has a plan for him. And that was the reason why we looked at him. We had him so high on our draft board. Um, he, he's he's a, a big guy, high motor, very intelligent. And the flashes that he did show, shows some kind of potential. I just hope he stays healthy and is able to stay on the field. Um, but uh, – you know, as far as Armstead, he's this is it. This this is it. You know, you got to show and prove. All right, guys. Well, that was fourth down. Uh, I really appreciate uh, all the faithful that uh, sent us questions for this fourth down segment. And I encourage everybody that follows this podcast, leave some questions for us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash forever faithful podcast or on Twitter at twitter.com slash FF podcast 49. On those pages, you'll be able to find links to all the places you can find this podcast, whether that's iTunes, SoundCloud, Anchor.fm, or on YouTube. And uh, one quick note, if you if you uh, look up this podcast on Anchor.fm and you find the, uh, the page and the link and everything, you'll be able to leave us voice messages on the Anchor.fm app. So if you want to be able to be kind of a caller to the show, and have your voice and your question heard on this show live, you'll be able to leave a voice message on the app, and we can play it here on the podcast and get the faithful even more interactive with the show. So with that, I think we did another good job today, guys. I cannot wait for the NFL draft on Thursday. Fellas, do you have any final words before we wrap this thing up? 
Yeah, um, I'll, I'll I'll keep it short and sweet. I I, I think the um, episode has been fantastic. I think what we're doing is it just. I mean, I, I'm really just excited and happy about uh, what we're doing, and I, I'm really happy that we actually got some feedback from the faithful to do these questions. So thank you guys, and please continue to uh, interact with us. Uh, you know, it. This was just a, a, another great experience. Um, you know, but like I said, I'll keep it short and sweet. You can follow us, you know, at the Forever Faithful Twitter, but also individually as well. Um, just my Twitter, uh, 49er Tone, just at 49er Tone. Um, you know, if you got any feedback or any questions or anything, I will link you to uh, the Forever Faithful podcast, Twitter or Facebook. Um, but yeah, great show, guys. Yeah, I agree. It was a great, uh, great show. I loved it. Um, and I'm really digging these questions. So if you guys just shoot us some questions, Twitter, uh, Facebook, um, or even uh, like JD was saying, leave us a little voicemail. That'd be pretty cool. I can hear you guys live here on uh, uh, on the podcast. That'd be great. Uh, and also, if you guys want to hit us up on our personal Twitter pages, we'll, we'll answer some questions there. We'll interact with you guys there. Uh, we're always posting, um, you know, sports-related stuff, of course, Niner-related stuff. So go follow me. Uh, it's just at jpmarr 10 follow me there um and yeah another great podcast so uh jd go ahead and send us out man all right guys and uh you can follow me as well on twitter at niner jd n-i-n-e-r-j-d on twitter uh with that it's gonna be a long couple of days until the draft i don't know how much sleep i'm gonna get but uh it'll get here before we know it and uh we'll be coming here next week with a draft review special. After the draft, when you see who the, who the Niners take, be sure to leave us comments and questions about the draft, and we'll be sure to address those on next week's episode. So with that, this is JD for the Forever Faithful Podcast, here with my boys JP and 49er Tone. And as always, it's one team, one family, one goal.